0: Bismillah alhamdulillah, salatu على salam ala وعلى wa ala أجمعين wa عليكم الله وبركاته. So I wanted to start off today's talk with uh, a small part of Surah Al-Fatiha. What does Fatiha mean? The opening, and we're opening this new semester kind of thing. So what better Surah to reflect on than Surah Al-Fatiha? And what we're going to start off, of course, there's different dispute between... Whether it starts off with Bismillah Rahman Rahim or it starts off with Alhamdulillah Alamin. Nevertheless, the Prophet taught us that the best du'a you can make is what? Who knows? No. What's the best du'a you can make? Bismillah. Any guesses? I mean, it's, it's a pretty it's pretty up there, but there's one that's like sitting at the top. Yeah, how do you say that? And, Alhamdulillah. Very good. So, the best dua you can make ever is Alhamdulillah. Okay? It's pretty interesting, right? Because you're literally being grateful and thankful, and Allah's promise is when you are grateful, I will give you more. Right? And, and don't we all want more? And so, the best way to do that is to be grateful. But what I want to talk about from a different perspective today is this word, Rabb. Because Fatiha starts off with Alhamdulillah. So what does Rabb mean? Of course it has many, many meanings. We won't get into all of them. I wanna focus on one of them, which literally means the caretaker and the one who programs you, okay? And so back in the Arab days, you know this concept of pottery where you shape that pot into like the desired design you want, the desired shape, that's also called tarbiyah, tarbiyah. And you must you must have heard this even in Urdu like uski terbiat seini Have you heard this when parents like don't good don't give good upbringing to their children? It's called terbiat also, right? Why? Because they haven't molded him into the right way. Okay, and so one of the meanings of rub is he as Allah as our master as our Rub has or wants us to be designed in a specific way. Okay, listen to this carefully. It's very similar to programming. You know how like your laptop, when you first buy it, how is the programming? Is there anything wrong with it or is it perfect and smooth? Perfect and smooth. As you browse, as you mess around with the laptop, what happens? You get viruses, things start slowing down, right? Similarly with us, when we're born, we're born into what, what is known as al-fitrah, this perfect programming, perfect shape, tarbiyah, okay? And then what happens? Shaytan, messes up this shape, he messes up our programming, our way of thinking. And programming is basically the way you think about life, the way you view life, your philosophy of life, your attitude towards life. That's our attitude, all of us, should should be coming from where? Who should we get that tarbiyah from ultimately? Allah, right? And how do we do that? Through two sources. What are they? Qur'an and the prophetic teachings, right? Through And the prophetic teachings can come from Sirah or sunnah or hadith, whatever, okay? Because they both kind of help us understand how to get that right programming. And so the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, what was one of his first missions when he was in Mecca, when he became a Muslim, when he was given that message? What was one of his first tasks? To start spreading, and part of spreading is what also? Is shaping thought, right? Because all of these Arabs there in Arabia, you know, they were, which is known as a Jahiliyyah. You guys heard of this word Jahil, Jahiliya? They used to do pretty messed up things. I don't know if you guys know this, but like one of the things, just to show you how crazy it was, like out of courtesy, because they were very nice to their guests. So if your guest was coming over, it was good etiquette to give your wife or offer your wife to the guest to make him feel comfortable. Like it was part of hospitality to share your wife with your guests. So the guests would get to sleep with the wife of the host. Is that pretty messed up or no? Yeah, yeah okay. So, And they had these things about burying daughters alive because they thought it was kind of bad luck and all that kind of stuff, okay? So the Islam and the Prophet came to shape, reshape, I'll use that word, reshape the way we think the way we see life, okay? And that is what he did in Mecca for how many years? How long was the Meccan period? 13 years, okay? 13 years in Mecca and then 10 years in Medina. Total of 23 years it took to really reprogram and the way they think, the way they see life, what are their priorities in life, yes? And where, where do our priorities come from? Who defines our priorities? Again, shaitan, hopefully not, man. If you let shaitan define your priorities, good luck with that, right? Who, who are we supposed to rely on for our priorities? Who should tell us what's important what's not important? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, okay? But the reality of the matter is, we have become distant from the Qur'an. We have become distant from the teaching of the Prophet, and therefore, who has, do, who has been doing our programming? Who? Shaitan, but let's not blame Shaitan. Who's doing our programming? We I mean we have not been responsible for our shaping. We have let everything around us shape our programming, right? So we're getting programming from friends, what else? What else impacts your way of thinking? Family? Parents? I'm talking about environment. What shapes the way you think? Social media, absolutely, your exposure to social media, what kind of things you listen to, what kind of movies you watch, what kind of songs you listen to, what kind of friends you have, yeah? What kind of things interest you? All of these things around you, your environment shapes the way you think, okay? And that's why every one of us is different, right? Every single one of us has different priorities in life, every single one of us has different interests, hobbies, Okay, addictions, all sorts. Where does all this come from? What shapes your personality? It's your experiences, right? Okay, so the Quran is supposed to be, okay, it's supposed to be your companion throughout this journey of life. This rope that you hold on to, why? Because you don't want everything around you. Now, you know, some people, what they do is, they say, you know what, if society is so corrupt and it corrupts the way I think, I'm gonna leave society. I'm gonna go live in a mountain. And say, subhanallah, alhamdulillah, Allah allahu, allahu, Allah, 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 Allah And they disconnect from society. Why? They want to preserve this terbiya. Is that the right approach? What's the right approach? Yes. Stay in the society. Hold on to what? Hold on to Allah in your heart, and your life. Really tight because shaitan's waves are all over, right? And not only that, you hold on to your... The Quran and the Sunnah of course it shapes the way you think and then you spread this message and then you try to change the society around you right that's the real challenge that's the mission of the prophet okay and it's supposed to be the mission of all of us why because we are the messengers of the messenger don't forget this we are the messengers of the messenger who was the messenger the prophet and he handed over this responsibility to us so we have two tasks at hand number one take care of your own terbiya and then task number two is share it and spread it okay so i want to talk about like what went wrong why have we as muslims today gone off track when it came to the terbiya part the way of thinking obviously you can share with you some insights what are what's some of the reasons why we are not really thinking the way the Quran, and wants to wants us to think. What are some of the reasons? Let's do some ex- like brainstorming. Yeah. Education, yes. Yeah, so we have lost connection with the Quran and the Sunnah. If, you don't, if you're not connected to that, if you're not educating yourself constantly and learning and reading. By the way, what was the first verse to be revealed to us? Iqra, right? Read. And so when you leave that, what happens? It's gone. You're going to let everything else program you except what? The Quran and the Sunnah. So education is, I would say, number one, absolutely. What else? What went wrong? What are other reasons why we... Okay, so materialism became a... So we had different priorities. Yes, yes? we got deceived. And who was the ultimate deceiver? Shaitan. he deceived us, right? He made us think that other things are a bigger priority. And someone else has something to say here. Community? yeah. so everyone around you is also thinking that way. So you have this sense of, why should I be different? You want to be part of the crowd. You want to to fit in. You don't want to do things differently because then people will call you a stranger. They'll call you a weirdo. they make fun of you, right? Okay. There's many reasons. So I want to focus on some key things that are destroying us, I believe, as... uh, in the way we think, okay? The first one of it is this copy and paste mentality. (coughs) Does Allah want us to be copy and paste, people? Why, what's the danger of being copy paste? Okay, if one does wrong, everyone else does wrong. What else? What else is problematic about this copy paste mentality? Yeah. Okay. Very good, Shaheen, very good. So you don't have the ability to think and develop your own ideas, right? You, what happens to your mind when you copy and paste? It shuts off. Does Allah want you to shut off your, your mind? Who can give me examples from society, from our world today, where copy and paste is becoming destructive and causing a lot of pain? Whatsapp, okay, so in the sense of literally copying and pasting the message you get and forwarding. Uh, I'm talking about like copy paste from a, um, a, a abstract <coughs> eye- eye perspective, not just from a literal perspective. Okay, yeah, forward, forwarding message without verifying, without thinking. Let me give you an example of uh, imitation. So imitation is following blindly also. Fashion, okay, following blindly when it comes to fashion, without thinking whether this is modest or not, whether this fits in line with what I need to be dressed as or not. But there are more serious things. Imitation, following blindly. What else happens when you do that? So one of the things we imitate is because of what our parents give us, right? Sometimes your parents, some parents hand down, are parents always right? <clears throat> are there parents out there who are telling their children to do the wrong things? Yes or no? I know parents who tell their daughters not to wear hijab. It's old fashioned, it's uh, you know, you need to live in this present moment and you need to be fashionable. So the mother is very fashionable, her daughter wants to wear hijab and there's a clash, right? So sometimes parents can be teaching you wrong things. So for some parents, they don't want their, their son to be going out in the masjid and praying in the, the masjid. Because for them, they're like, you know what, you don't need to be that Muslim. Just pray at home. it's Okay. Don't go too extreme. Okay? So, there are, so parents can always be wrong. So copying your parents is not always... I'm not saying be like, uh, you know, completely disobedient to your parents and all that, right? But I'm just saying... When your parents tell you something, what do you need to do? Think, stop and think. Wait a second, is this right or wrong? And of course, out of respect, you do this, right? It's not like you're challenging them. Your mom says, go, you know, uh, get me milk. You're like, okay, I'll just check the Quran and Sunnah, if this is something I need to do and I'll come back. to you. No, you need to do it out of respect and think, and of course, the way you talk to them, you gotta be careful. So imitation from society also, imitation from parents. What's the outcome of all of this? Deviation. What is the Arabic word for deviation in Fatiha? Going off track. What's the word for that in Surah Al-Fatiha? In Arabic. Surat is the track. Off track or who? Yeah, which people are off track? You're asking Allah to be on mustaqim, man. If you're asking Allah to be off track, that's a problem. What's... So surat al-mustaqeem, guys, is the on track. That's the track you want to be on. Ehdina surat al-mustaqeem, the straight path that you want to be on. Surat al Ladina and That's the path of happiness and inner peace and harmony in your life, right? Then you have two groups. The maghdoob alayhim are those who are being angered upon. And then you have dalilin. Who are the dalilin? The lost people, okay? You guys need to know this stuff. This is like... Fatiha, I mean, you're reciting this how many times every day? 17 times every day. Okay. So if you're saying something 17 times every day without thinking about it, what are you doing? Just imitating. You're you're reciting something that your parents told you to memorize. Maybe your Islamic teacher told you to memorize it, so you're just reciting it without even thinking about what you're saying. Is that a problem? Yeah, it's a pretty big problem, okay? So deviation is dalleen, literally, though people who are lost. Why are they lost? Because they don't think. They're just imitating. They're following blindly. And sometimes when you follow someone blindly, someone imagine like someone in a madrasa somewhere in some country. And the teacher is telling them, you need to blow yourself up and kill yourself so that you can go to Jannah instantly. And then he asks this question. How many of you want to go to Jannah today? Everybody's gonna raise their hands, right? Okay guys, get the explosive vest, all of you wear it, let's go and go to Jannah. This world is you know, useless, this world is full of pain, let's just go to Jannah, there's a shortcut. I know the shortcut. Blow yourself up, kill as many people as you can, and you will go to Jannah, right? Now if the students all imitate and follow blindly, right? What's gonna happen? What are the consequences serious or not serious you see the the danger of this problem imitation yeah it can be a pretty pretty serious thing uh, you know you have other people who burn tires and throw molotovs right why because someone's telling them to do it and they're doing it without thinking so l- remember this one one of the qualities of deviant people are that they act without thinking They have actions but they don't think, okay? Can we all sit up straight, sit up straight? So acting without thinking is a problem. Narrow mindedness, is that a problem in our society? Give me examples of narrow mindedness when you become just narrow minded. What does that mean and how is that a problem? Your scope of thinking, give me examples of how. Give Examples of how people become narrow-minded and becomes a problem in our society. And our guests can participate with us. Narrow-mindedness. When you think you are right and everybody else is? Wrong, right? That's being judgmental, okay? Have you guys experienced this? Yes? Who likes to be judged? None of us likes to be judged, right? And of course, Allah is the ultimate judge, right? But when we start judging people, when you start becoming narrow-minded, we think we're right, everybody else is wrong, that becomes a problem. And it causes disunity and blind following, okay? When you just become, is imitation. And you know, in some countries, you have this literally, hardcore followers of a specific view of Islam, like a specific madhab. You have the Shafi'is who don't talk to the Hanafis, who don't talk to the Malikis, who don't talk to the Hanbalis. Right? And each one has their own clique. They have their own masjids. They pray in a certain way. And if a Hanbali goes to a Shafi'i masjid, they're going to kick him out, they're going to... Hmm? Yeah, unfortunately in some countries. Okay? And at one point, even in the Haram, you know, the Mecca, in Mecca, the Kaaba, at one point in time, they used to have four different prayers, because people were so hardcore followers of a specific madhab that they didn't, f- they didn't see it right to pray behind another madhab's imam, imagine, okay? So that's what happens when you become extreme imitator, when you're like, I wanna follow imam, Ahmad ibn Hanbal, whatever he did, I'm not gonna do anything else, okay? And so you become narrow-minded, the Shafi'i become narrow-minded, Maliki become narrow-minded, and what happens? It causes what? Disunity, right? Because everyone's just focused on what they want to do, and I'm right, everybody else is wrong. And that, And so, did Allah... What does Allah want us to do? Allah wants us to say we are Muslim, right? Very simple. We are just Muslim, we're all brothers and sisters. We're all praying to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Okay, you pray like this, fine. I pray like this, that's Okay. You want to pray like this? Fine. Chill out, right? And Malikis, I think they pray like this. Okay, fine. You recite Vata. It's okay. You won't become a kafir if you put your hands down. Right? Is Allah going to ask you that, you think? Is Allah going to stop you on the Day of Judgment and say, Maria, remember that day when you prayed like this? Hmm. That wasn't good. You should have prayed like this. Is he going to do that? Just think about it. Is that, are there bigger priorities in life, yes, than fighting over these small things, okay? And by the way, all of them are right, because all of them have evidences backed by Sunnah. So it's just different perspective, different uh, times where they saw the Prophet said doing this certain kind of thing. So is this point clear? Copy and paste? Yes? Do not be copy and paste people. Be people who think, be people who ask questions. And by the way, if you don't ask questions, that means you are what? You're just an imitate, you're just a blind follower. And that's what, honestly, I feel bothered about, a lot. And I've told you this before, as students, you don't ask enough questions. You just think whatever I'm saying is right and you just take it in. Can that be a problem, by the way? Of course, am I perfect? Could I be teaching you some really messed up ideas? Yes or no? Of course I can, right? Of course, it's possible. And if you guys submit to me, And say, ah, brother Fad, he's like the best teacher ever, and chalas you just block your mind, and whatever I say, you take in as right. Can that be problematic to you? Yes. So you need to challenge me also. And we need to together develop our minds and think. And when my students don't ask questions, that's like you know what? Just you're submitting your mind to me, and whatever I give you, you'll take it. And I could be teaching you some really messed up things, right? So this getting your mind to work and start verifying and asking questions and challenging, this is what Ibrahim did, didn't he? With his father, right? To the point where he was kicked out of his house because he challenged his father on the worshipping of idols and he wasn't convinced, right? If something doesn't make sense, you challenge and you ask, of course, respectfully, right? But it shows that you're thinking. It shows that you are using your mind. So this, this uh, ayah from Surah Al-Ahzab really tells us like the scene of these people who are blind followers, the imitators. What will they be saying on the Day of Judgment? Literally Allah says, on that day, their faces will be turned in the hellfire. Wujuhum. Their face will be turned in the hellfire. Okay? What will they say? We wish we obeyed Allah and His Messenger. So there will be a sense of regret, right? They'll say we wish, oh, we wish we could go back and follow the Allah's Allah's teachings and the Messenger's teachings. And what else will they say? Oh Allah, they will make du'a in hellfire. They make du'a, Rabbana, Oh Allah, our Master, we obeyed our chiefs. You know, in the dunya, there's people who have elite status. Sa'adatana wa kubara'ana. our sheikhs. We followed our, you know, uh, masters. We followed uh, the The famous people, we followed the people who had lots of followings. We followed our teacher. Okay, Sa'adatana wa kabura'ana literally means those who have been given a high status in society. These people will say, Oh Allah, we followed. Here they're regretting that they didn't follow who? Allah and the Messenger. Here they're saying, Oh Allah, what did we do wrong? We followed our masters and our people of high ranks in society. We followed them. And what did they do? Fa Albaluna Sabila. And they misguided us. They gave us the wrong information. They took us off track. And then they will make another dua. Rabbana, atim min al adab wal anhum kabira. Oh Allah, whatever punishment we're going through, give those people double the punishment and curse them a big curse. So the blind followers are in regrets. What is their regret? They followed the kubara and sada, like blindly. They wish they had followed who? Allah and the Messenger. And then they're gonna make dua against those people. So, and by the way, these kubara and sada, what will they probably be saying? And it's recorded in the Quran. You know what they will say? We never told them to follow us blindly. We said what we had to say, they just followed us blindly. Don't blame me for you following me blindly. You should have thought, you should have asked questions, you should have challenged, okay? And so we have this entire like, generation way of thinking today is that whatever the predecessor said is right and we need to stop thinking. Is that also there? Yes or no? Like, I'll be honest with you, a lot of people come to me and say, Brother Fad, who are you to start thinking about the Qur'an and teaching Qur'an? You know, why do, where do you get your sources from, you know? How come you claim to know things about the Qur'an that, for example, Imam al-Tabari didn't write in his tafsir? Or Ibn Kathir didn't write in his tafsir? Because there's books of explanation written about Qur'an, right? 200 years old. Okay? So some people say, you know what? Those people, they were closer to the Prophet. They knew the Qur'an more than you. So you shut up and stop thinking and just imitate what they said and copy-paste what they said. Okay, there's a lot of people who do that. Yes? Yeah? So, when you stop thinking and you just imitate those people, and there's people like that today, I'm telling you. They tell you you cannot interpret, you cannot think. What the people of the past did and followed and said and wrote in their books, that's what you need to do, and that's it. Have you, have you come across this, by the way? Yes? Do you think that's exist in society today yes blind following okay. so is that what Allah wants us to do Allah keeps on questioning us and telling us and commanding us don't you think don't they think don't they ponder upon the Quran don't they reflect upon the Quran okay don't you think don't you understand okay so I hope that I made that point pretty clear yeah? what's the first point one word: imitation. Beware of blind imitation. And how do you solve that? How do you resolve that? Think, question, challenge. Read. read. Think. Question. Challenge. Read. Very good. Yeah. So let's hap- let's see what happened to this uh, connection. think, challenge. What was the third one? Question. Question. Very good. Ask questions. And by the way, you know what? How do you know what kind of questions to ask? Because you could be asking questions, but they're dumb questions. With all due respect, right? Give me examples of dumb questions. And by the way, I, as a teacher, can tell a lot about the student from the type of questions that are asked. So when you ask, you give away a lot about your level of intellect, okay? So give me examples of, like, with all due respect, you guys, dumb questions. What are some dumb questions that we can sometimes ask? Yeah. So, who are you? Who are you to teach Quran, right? Yeah, exactly. Um, but you know, I'll give you another example. Like after this lesson is over, I ask you guys, so anyone has any question, and one of you says, uh, "Sir, are we supposed to pray like this, or like this, or like this? Is that a good question? What do you think?" It's a fine question. Yeah, so number one, it shows that you weren't listening. And number two, it shows that you, that's all you think about is actions and external things. Okay, What's, what's a bigger priority, internal or external? What do you think? We're not saying external, forget it. Pray like this or pray like this. No, we're not saying that, right? But what we're saying is, follow the Prophet Okay, if you get some, enough sufficient evidence that yes, this is how the Prophet is paid, fine, pray. But then chill out. Relax. Don't overthink. Okay? There's some people in salah, like you're literally standing next to them and they're like constantly obsessed with keeping their feet next to your feet and there's no gap for shaitan and they are just... So, the whole salah, their focus is what? The gaps between the feet. Have you noticed that? Guys would notice that in the message, right? They're constantly just pushing your foot, making sure the ankle and the toe is sticking to yours, right? And then Imam says, alayka alayka and this guy has no clue what he recited, he has no clue what he did, right? Because his priority was what? Making sure his foot sticks to your foot. Is that a big priority in salah? I mean, it's nice to have your feet next to the other, right? But then chill out and focus on what's more important. What's more important? Understanding, Understanding what you're saying. What does Alhamdulillah Rabbil Alameen mean? rahman Rahim. Listen to Salah. What does Subhan Rabbil Al-Azim mean? What does Subhan Rabbil Al-A'la mean? What does Semi Allah al mean? What does Allahu Akbar mean? These are the real priorities. When you think about Salah and the meaning of Salah, that's what's going to change the way you think, inshallah. Number two, I like this one. Robotics. One of the thing, things that corrupts your programming, remember? Because we're talking about which ayah now in Fatiha? Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen. By the way, just to reconnect the previous one. Imitation. Blind following. How, how is that destroyed when you make who your programmer? When you make... No, how do you fix that problem? Who do you make your Rabb? Uh, <laughs> Alhamdulillah Rabbil Alameen, right? So when you make Allah your Rabb, when you allow Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to program the way you think, then you will be saved. And that's why you're saying Alhamdulillah. Why are you saying Alhamdulillah? Let's just think about that. Why is it so, it's a statement of gratitude. Why? Yeah, but why would you thank Allah for being your ultimate programmer? Why not your teachers? Why not your parents? Why not your because friends? But why Alhamdulillah? That's what I'm interested about. Now. now that you know the dangers of imitation, okay? You know the dangers of imitation. Now you're saying Alhamdulillah Rabbil alameen. What does that mean? What's What's the connection? Yes, very good mm-hmm. Yes, but in the context of what we're talking about, so I think Shaheen, raise your voice again Very good, okay, so very close, okay, but listen to this carefully. This is what's happening to society, your friends, your families, your t- you know every everyone is becoming you know. Lost in this idea of imitation and no one's thinking, no one's asking questions, except for a few, right? You're saying, thank you, Allah, for giving me the, the source of the right programming, which is what the Quran and the teaching of the Prophet. Okay, so when you make Allah your Rabb. Then you will be in the in the ultimate shape that he wants you to be in. So you're being grateful to Allah. Because imagine we don't have the Quran and the Sunnah. What would happen? Chaos, will... chaos right? Why? why why chaos? I like that word. Why? Very good. we don't have We don't have, like, we, have we don't have you don't have a source You don't have a, sta- a basic standard A benchmark This is the way we should live our life But right? everyone has their own version Everyone would say I'm right They would say I'm right this was, The guys would say I'm right The guys who are blowing themselves up And killing innocent people would say we're right The guys who are in the mountains saying Allahu, 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 Allahu Are saying we are right The guys, you know Everybody is, has their own version of what's right and what's wrong and so, when you say, Alhamdulillah, Rabbil Alameen, literally that's what you're being grateful for. Alhamdulillah that you are our Rabb, and Alhamdulillah that I'm your slave, and therefore when I accept this role of being your slave and you being my master, I will be safe. I will have clarity in my life. Life will become easy. Because you've already told me how to live that ideal life. And we, when we do follow that, that's what gives you that happiness and inner peace and harmony in your life and balance. Every other way would be what? Causing you pain and stress in your life. That's why you say Alhamdulillah Rabbil Alameen. Does it make sense? Yes? Now next time you say this in Salah, what are you going to do? You're going to literally stop and think about what you just said. You say Alhamdulillah Rabbil Alameen. And stop. Give it a few seconds. It's okay. It's not a race. Especially for the sisters, if you're not praying behind an imam, take your time, right? Alhamdulillah, Rabbil Aameen, and think about Allah, thank you so much for being there for me. Hmm? Of course. Actually, Allah responds to you. When you say Alhamdulillah, Rabbil in the hadith Qudsi, Allah actually tells us that He responds to us and He says to His company up above in the seventh heavens, right? He says to his company of angels, hamadani abdi, my slave has just thanked me. He actually, it's like a conversation between you and Allah, salah. Okay? So if you're actually speeding through fatiha, you're not even letting Allah respond. Is that re- disrespectful to Allah? Pretty, pretty much is, right? And the Prophet was known to pause. He would say alhamdulillahi rabbil rahman He would pause between each ayah of fatiha. Literally, that's how he prayed. Okay. I'm not saying it's haram to say Alhamdulillah rahma, rahma, rahma. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying you want to improve your quality, pause and think of what you're saying. Let's go to robotics. So what is robotics besides what they teach you in school about robotics? how, is, how have we become robotic in our Islam? We do the same thing every day. Same thing every day. It's become what? What's the difference between a robot and a human being? Very good. So feelings, right? They're, like scientists are, can't figure out like how to make robots have feelings. I saw this really weird movie. I, I don't think you guys should see it. Okay. Huh? No, no, no. Uh, I don't even want to mention the name, so you guys, because I know you guys are curious. You're gonna go and watch it just for But uh, it's a movie about this guy who who's lonely. He wants to fall in love with a girl, and eventually he finds out there's this new software out there that can actually become your love. And um, so she becomes like your, you, be, you fall in love with a soft, a program, computer program, software. And he talks to her, she talks back, and like, they have feelings and all that kind of stuff. Actually, like, they literally made a movie about this, because people are lonely and they have this emotional void, and some people fill that void in the West with having pets. Right? That's why it's so common in the West. Some people adopt children. Some people, you know, I don't know, have girlfriends or boyfriends or whatever, and affairs and all that kind of stuff. Why to fill that emotional void? And um, I, I, I mean, with virtual reality coming into play also, that's gonna be the next big thing, by the way. VR, it's called virtual reality. So, you know, you're gonna have your own world, your own addictions, your own everything, yeah, so. May Allah help you guys. May Allah help our children and us parents to deal with these problems, right? But or not problems, but challenges. So when you make Islam just a mechanical practice, you become a robot. Salafiyah is just about that these external actions. You're like a robot. When, you, when it comes to Quran, you're robotically reading Quran. How does that happen? Mechanical reading of Quran, just reading, just. Concerned about finishing the page, concerned about finishing, finishing the khatma, finishing the juz. Does that happen in the Muslim world? And do people actually celebrate that? When you do a khatma in Ramadan, it, don't they like distribute laddus and barfis and here? You know, we just finished the khatma, right? So rituals, even hajj and umrah. For those of you guys who recently went to umrah. Hasn't it become mechanical that people start taking selfies while doing tawaf, while doing sa'i, they're doing like Facebook Lives, oh, uh, look at the Kaaba, Surah. And they're in the, like literally, because tawaf, when you're in tawaf, literally it's like salah, right? You're not supposed to talk. And people are chilling and just taking selfies and whatever, right? And people are fighting to touch and kiss the black stone. That's like a, I mean, what's, What's a bigger priority? Or what's, what's a bigger, let's say, harm to the ummah, right? You punching someone to go and kiss the Kaaba, to uh, kiss the black stone, or you giving up that, right, so that you can give others a chance. What's a bigger priority? Yeah, not doing harm is a bigger priority than kissing the black stone. But what do most people do anyway? Why? Because they're doing things, it's a mechanical practice. Someone back home told them, you go and kiss the black stone, then your umrah will be completed. Then your sins will be forgiven. If you don't do that, it's not gonna happen. Of course not, of course not, right? But when you stop thinking and you stop questioning, and you ask, you know, when you just blindly follow, and that's the danger of ignorance, right? That's where this mentality happened. and That's where people die. Right? and Hajj, people die when the Jamarat time happens and you try to you know, stone the Shaitan. Yeah, because everyone's just mechanically thinking, I want to make sure I hit the Shaitan right on his head. Right? <laughs> and I want to make sure I, my target is right and I want to make sure I'm making the best use of my trip. So there becomes no spirit, no consciousness. It becomes what? External. That's what robotics is about. And is it a big problem? Yes. Yes? Have we become robotic about our Islam? About Quran, about Salah? in. Mm, it becomes external, right? And most of the fights happen on, on external things. Yep. Right or no? We judge each other based on external things. Oh she's wearing hijab, she, he's not wearing hijab, he has a beard, she doesn't have a beard. Okay? And just people just become like obsessed with external actions. <laughs> And like I was in this masjid in one country, I don't want to name it, I walked out and one of the men in the masjid literally came and told me, Beta, son, your salah was not accepted because you weren't wearing a cap in the salah. Yeah, so literally that's really how people think. It's just become, you know, you have to have a certain uniform, you have to look a certain way, otherwise it's over, right? So, very, very sad, but this is the reality, okay? So what are you guys going to do now? You guys need to change this, right? In your lives, in your own selves. You need to ask yourself, how many years I've been reciting Fatiha? I don't even know what it means. Ask yourself this question. You've been programmed to recite Fatiha. You've been programmed to, to pray, but it's empty inside. Okay, so what are you going to do about it? Are you going to continue doing this way or what what can you do about it change how yeah how do you do how do you do that let's discuss a app, practical application how would you turn from like a robot to a literal a like proper human being now? very good thinking not just thinking because your thought might you know so what's your guide who is your rub it's Allah so go back to Allah and Go back to the process and learn what does the what do these words mean, what is the purpose of salah, why? And it's going to require a lot of effort, right? You're going to have to do a lot of reading, asking questions, uh, thinking, okay. But uh, Allah, trust, like, let me give you a lesson, okay. This is a big life lesson. Allah subhanahu wa taala doesn't give guidance to those who don't seek it. You know. You wanna be guided? You want more guidance? You gotta be a seeker of guidance. And what does it mean to be a seeker of guidance? Exactly, you're hungry. I love that word, you're hungry. You're obsessed, you want to know, you wanna find out, okay? You're constantly like just thinking and every time you get, every moment you get, you're literally just thinking, asking questions, challenging. And wallahi, when you have that attitude, your life will, will go like this, inshallah. Okay? Because you are now switched on. And it's a journey, by the way. Will you get the answer overnight? No. It's, it's, it's a journey. I'm, it's been 15 years I've been a student of the Quran. I'm still learning from Fatiha. No kidding. I'm still learning something new about Fatiha. And it's, it's a never-ending journey. You can never reach the point where you say, khalas now I know Fatah. It's never going to happen. It's an ocean, right? But that, what's beautiful about this is that journey. When you get on that journey, that's what gives you pleasure, right? And that's why in Fatah we say to Allah, al Allah guide us on the path. So you're not concerned about a destination, are you? What are you concerned about? Getting on the path. So if you're off track, you want to get back on track, if you're on track, you want to get more guidance, because, by the way, guidance is levels, right? You can actually get more guidance. And in Surah Al-Kahf, Allah tells us that those young people, they actually ask Allah, subhanahu wa ta'ala, for guidance, and Allah says, وَزِدْنَاهُمْ huda," And we increase them in guidance. So there's actually levels of guidance. And what's so beautiful is, the word مُستَقِيم literally means going upwards. means "qama" like, means to stand up. So literally, actually growing in your hidayah, in your guidance. Okay? So that's really the path. So, this is what happens when you have robotics. Islam becomes a tradition. Islam becomes just formalities. Yeah, You've got to do things just because of formalities. Worship becomes just dry habits. And the means become objectives. I love this, this statement. What does it mean? The means become the objective. What's the difference between a means and the objective? So I want to reach wise from my home in Rafa. What's the objective? Reach wise. What are the means to come to wise? My car, right? So the car is the means, objective is wise. How does it, how does this work with this attitude of robotics is praying is salah the means or the objective how many of you think salah is the objective Allah is going to ask you did you pray or not Okay. how many of you think salah is the means okay very good so salah is the means to a higher goal What's the higher goal of Salah? Connection Connection with Allah. Is it making you a better person? Is it changing the way you think? Is it getting you back on the track? Okay? Same thing with salm and fasting. Allah is not interested in us not eating and drinking. and That's just external robotics. What's the objective of fasting? Having taqwa, having that God consciousness, being able to say no to certain things, being able to control your desires and temptations. That's the objective. Same thing with Hajj, same thing with Zakat. All of the Ibadat are just means to a higher goal. But what have most people done? They've made all the Ibadat the objective. So when they pray five times in a day, they say, they say Alhamdulillah, farigh okay. Alhamdulillah, we're done. We're done for the day. We've read Isha. It's over, Alhamdulillah. Alhamdulillah, I finished the Quran. I did a Khatma of the Quran. Alhamdulillah, I fasted 30 days. It's over and party time now in Eid. Why? Because we've made the ibadat the objective, not the means. And this is what happens when you become robotics. So, inshallah, we will continue the talk about um, this concept of tarbiyah. And so, it goes back to which word or which verse? Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen. We thank Allah Subhanahu wa Ta'ala for being our. Our murabbi, literally, our programmer, the one who shapes the way we think, the one who shapes the way we act, and we are grateful that he has given us the the, the ideal sources, which is the Quran and the Sunnah. You had a question? I actually wanted uh, to share a video that I watched recently because uh, it was relevant to topic of meditation. Uh, it was uh, just a you know, study done on how people who walk into a dental area, a uh, way and even there was a beat going on, and every person that walked in saw that the people before them were standing every mm-hmm. time there was a beat. Mm-hmm. And then initially, they you would surprise everyone standing up. Yeah. For the and then eventually, they would just start talking. Blindly. And even yeah. the most resistant person, the most rigid person, eventually started talking. Yeah, yeah. So that just makes. You wanna fit in, exactly. Yeah. So. No, I don't know why we're doing things, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah? So. want to do that. Those three people, they just put up uh two barriers and they just start making bags. And then they go out for three hundred people and start who making life to handle and really uh just joined in the asked uh why are you doing this? Of course we want to start. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, so just be conscious, be aware of that, inshallah. And uh, my job is to just share these ideas with you. Whose job is it to take action and change? You guys. So it's, you are free to choose. You want to be a blind sheep or you want to be a thinker who reads and makes Allah your master, inshallah. So with that, we conclude and I'll see you next week. SubhanAllah, Hamdik) la ilaha tubu alaykum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.